It's good to see each and every one of you here this morning. And uh, I believe there's something on the, the Father's heart that he would like each one of us to receive. And uh, and to just enjoy what what are the good things he wants each one of us to be about and experiencing in life. As I uh, began to think about this morning, a number of days ago, a few days ago, I felt like, first of all, the Lord, your Heavenly Father, wanted each one of you to know that you are deeply loved. And that before the beginning of time, He knew the exact time, place, and circumstances each one of you were going to be born into. And he, he knew that your circumstance, your place, and your time, the situation you were going to be born into would not be perfect. But he believed in the finished work of what he'd done on the cross, that even in the situation that you would be born into, the culture you would be born into, everything that surrounds where you were born, the things that were going to happen in your life, because of the finished work of the cross, he knew that it was well and good enough for you to be here. And there is abundant provision made to bring healing, freedom. There's abundant provision made for you to experience an abundant life. See, the enemy wants us to focus on the things that we wish were different in our lives. The things that, that uh, we feel are not fair. And none of us have been treated fairly, in a sense. If life would be fair, we'd have to bear the burden of all of our sin, and we'd have to pay the final penalty, which is eternal death and hell. So life isn't fair, and I thank God for it. And he loved us so much that he knew the exact place, time that you were to be born into, and he provided abundantly for you to experience life to the full. And sometimes this word, life to the full, is, is uh, used in a way that at least my life is good. But if I have something in abundance, that means I have more than enough for myself. And we've been taught many times here, especially when we talk about finances, if we have abundant finances, it's this not for myself. That's greedy. That's stingy. But we have abundant finances to be able to give away, to bless others with. The abundant life that God wants each one of us, which is available for each one of us, is that we will be so full of life, we have so much more life than what we need, we have much more to give away. God loves us so much. He knows your life isn't perfect. But in the cross, as we spoke about, the cross has the final word. There is a death, there is a resurrection, there is a way now made for each one of us to experience life and life abundantly. There is a way made now for me to live in freedom. I don't need to live in bondage. The way of the cross has given me a path of freedom that I can now walk in. The way of life that God has given me is I don't need to live in bondage to things of the past. I don't need to live in addictions. I don't need to live in things that cause defeat. I can live in a life that is victorious. This is life and life abundant. God wants all of us to know how much he loves us and how much he has provided for us and how much we 
have. How much we have. And as I was thinking about this and I was enjoying how much I have in Christ and the abundant life that I now have, he began to share this with me. I love your neighbor just as much. I love your fellow, na- uh, fellow worker just as much. I love this nation just as much as I love you. And I want them to experience the abundant life that is now available to you as well. And he began to share with me that do I love my neighbor in the same way that Christ loves me? And uh, it began to, he just began to shift some things in my thinking that too much of my, in fact, recently I've been asking my wife, who is kind of like my counsel, my wis- the wisdom for me. I share with her, how much of what I'm doing today will even be remembered a week from now? I get caught up in the worries of life, the cares of life, maybe the issues of my children, maybe the issues on my job. Can I do it? I have struggles. Uh, maybe the issues over finances or, or the issues over things breaking in our house or because there's always things wearing out. Our car is in the garage right now as I'm speaking. But how much of that is, is eternal? How much of that lasts? How much of that will I even be thinking about a year from now? And, and I know what triggered this off was a few weeks ago, I celebrated, we celebrated my dad's 91st birthday, and as I was sitting with him, I was thinking about, someday I'm going to be 91, if the Lord allows me to live that long. But how much of my life will be remembered once I'm gone? How much of it is eternally based? And... Um, the thought began to think, you know, God's kingdom lasts forever. There is fruit that lasts for all eternity. And there is treasures, and, and Lisa shared this very well last week, there is eternal treasures that we can lay up in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. In other words, the temporary things, the things that I spend most of my time worrying about, are not going to be in heaven. They're going to be destroyed. I'm not going to be thinking about my car in eternity. I'm not going to be thinking about things that are breaking. I'm not going to be thinking about, will this job get done or not? And that doesn't mean we don't do well or try our best. We're to honor and do everything for the honor and glory of God, including what we do for a living. But is what I'm doing is eternally based. Am I living in the freedom that God has already provided? And am I giving this freedom away to a world in need of it? And uh, so the Lord just began to to share these things. Is is my life kingdom-based? Or is it temporary-based? Is it bearing fruit for eternity? Am I laying up treasures in heaven? And is there, um, there is an everlasting kingdom that will be remembered for all eternity? And am I living in that reality even now? In Scripture, we are called to seek first his kingdom. And never tells us that what to do, number two. We are to seek first. Our vision is to be his kingdom. It's what is to be what consumes us, is to be our focus for life. And I'm here to say, if my, in my own life, if my focus, if my vision is not the kingdom, then my vision and my focus become something that's temporary, something that is passing away. And that's where worry and fears and all the stress comes in that 
Well, I even make it. Will I make it through this job? Will I make it through this day? Will I make it through life? With all these issues, and there's issues, for, you know, all of us can probably make a list of all the issues that we have in this world, all the issues that we have in our own lives. But we're defer- our, our vision is to be his kingdom. Our focus is to be in his kingdom. We are to seek his kingdom first. Our lives are to be based upon the seeking of his kingdom. And number two is we are to pray that his kingdom come and his will be done. And I want to talk about two aspects of that here in a bit of his kingdom. But the whole aspect of his kingdom come and his will be done is not some future event. Will be done. As in the present. Too much of us live in things of the past. Well, I remember when God moved in the past and this was a good moment in my life and it was good. Well, life sure stinks now. Well, at least I got heaven. We're either living in the past or the future, and we're not experiencing the reality of his kingdom to be in my present life reality now. And God, when the disciples seen this in Jesus, they said, there's something different about you. You teach us how to pray. Because everyone in my culture is looking for this Messiah, something that a future event. And yet there's something you are doing. You're living reality of the kingdom today. And all that you're saying, all that you're doing, and all that you're going. And we'll talk about that aspect here in a bit too. That Jesus abided in the Father in such a way that he said what he heard his Father saying. He went where he seen his Father going. And he did what he seen his Heavenly Father doing. That was present reality for Jesus. And he was our example of how we are called to live in a world that needs his kingdom. Amen? You with me here? And uh, so they came to Jesus and said, pray that your kingdom come, our Father in heaven. His name is above every name. His name is hallowed. His name is to be revered. His way is perfect. His name is above every other name. Your kingdom come and present reality on earth. May your will be done. We're going to talk about here in a bit some of that. But there are two aspects of that kingdom coming that I really want to zone in on here this morning. And there's two aspects of the kingdom. I think it might shift our thinking here a little bit uh, of how we view God at work. And the one aspect is in Psalms 110 verses 1 and 2. And we don't have to turn there. But it says this, that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until all your enemies are made your footstool. And this is the reality of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Where he is today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Father speaking to his Son, sit at my right hand until all your enemies are made your footstool. Well, how does that happen? Some of us think that a day will come, this world's just going to hell. It's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse. Well, Jesus says, all my enemies will be made my footstool before I rise up and return to earth. You hear me? But there's this thought that it doesn't take much belief to believe that things are going to get worse. It doesn't take much action on my part or much tenacity on my part to believe that, well, things are just going to get worse. I mean... For example, if you have a garden, 
and you don't do anything to your garden, it's going to look worse. If you, first of all, if you don't plant any seeds, no good, I mean good seeds that is, bad seeds are going to grow in your garden. And if you do plant a few good seeds, but you don't weed that garden, a lot of bad seeds are going to get in there, and it's going to look a mess. It doesn't take much belief. It doesn't take much action for things to get worse. But Jesus was saying, and this is a prophetic word, that he is not going to rise up and come back here to earth until his enemies are made his footstool. Well, how is that going to happen? Maybe it's going to happen through you and I being empowered with the Spirit. Maybe there's a spiritual coming before a physical coming. Maybe there's a spiritual outpouring that he wants to pour on all generations, on our generation, so that the enemies, the things that we look at and we say, we wish these things were a part, weren't a part of our culture. We wish these things weren't a part of the United States of America, weren't here. Maybe he's going to empower his people in such a way that they rise up and take action and see these things become the footstool that these things do not rule over our culture, but Christ rules over our culture. How about that? The second aspect I want to talk about just here briefly is from Habakkuk. Because see, if you read in Habakkuk, you read the whole book of Habakkuk, which we're not going to do this morning, but he had a problem with evil in his day. He just had a big problem. There was evil all around him. And he was asking this question, basically, why is there evil? Why is there evil in my culture? Why is my nation seem to be getting worse? But then in the middle of all this, he received this glorious revelation in Habakkuk, I believe it's chapter 2, verse 14, where it says the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And he has spoken of a revelation that he received earlier, that the revelation awaits a point in time, even the time of the end. There's going to come a time at the end of man that his glory is going to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Well, how is that glory going to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea? How is that going to happen? I want to reveal that or speak about that here a little bit here this morning. What possibly could get in the way of God's kingdom coming in a way where his enemies become his footstool and his glory be released throughout the earth? And I want to look this morning particularly at uh, in Mark chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles, we can turn there. But there's, these are two aspects I really want to look at this morning. Is his glory covering the earth as the waters covering the sea. And also his enemies becoming his footstool. In Mark chapter 8. Verses 34 through 9-1. We're just going to start there and read that. If you want to put those, you can't do it. That's perfectly fine. Somehow, that's okay. Well, in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 9-1, Jesus is speaking to the crowd. He called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life or their soul will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in the Father's glory with his holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, 
some who are standing here will not taste death before the seed before the seed the kingdom of God has come with power. As I was sharing earlier, when I'm caught up in my worries, when I'm caught up in my fears, I'm really caught up in my life. I want my life to work out. But when I surrender my life, when I truly let go, and my focus becomes the kingdom, then I'm filled with his life. Amen? If I'm trying to save my life, this is the way my life works. I'm driving down the road, not thinking of anyone. I can see someone by the side of the road. I can see that they have a car problem, but I'm caught up in my life. I probably won't even pray. I can see my neighbor down the street, and I can see that, that uh, well, he looks like he just came home from the hospital, but I got things I got to do. I don't have time to go ask him how he's doing, if he needs prayer, or anything's done around his house. I'm caught up in my life. I become so sheltered in my life that I don't even see the world I live in, and it's all about me. God, help me. And God says, I've already helped you. I've already provided the cross and all that you need already. You need not worry about your life. But I'm caught up in my life. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. My life comes around. God, help me. If I really believe, if I really lose my life, I say, God has already helped me. And I want, to make, I want others to know of the same help that I've already received. So I begin to share with my neighbor. I begin to look at others through the eyes of God because I'm already taken care of. I rejoice in my name's already written in the Lamb's book of life. My eternal destiny is already assured. So my life isn't about trying to save my life here on earth. I'm laying up treasures in heaven where wrath and wrath cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. I'm laying up treasures in heaven, and the treasure I'm laying up in heaven is seeing many come into his glorious kingdom and experience the freedom and abundance that already are available for me in Christ. I tell you the truth. Some of you standing here will see the gospel come in power, but it begins with you and I laying our life down, not living in it for ourselves. Six days later, <laughs> he takes his disciples. This is the second verse of John Mark chapter 9, six days later. Now, as I was thinking about that, you know, Jesus created the earth in how many days? Six days. And I, I know some of you have probably heard me share this already, that all of, all of creation is laid out in an order. Each day is like a thousand years unto the Lord. And each, I got that backwards. Each day is like a thousand years, and each year is like, oh, I don't know, whatever. So it speaks about it. I know it, but it's screwed up in my head right now. <laughs> when the first day of creation, God separated light and darkness. And you know, the first thousand years, what we have in this world? Light and darkness, good and evil. Second year, 2,000 years, we have God's, you know, the second day God created the waters, separated the waters. And of course, second 2,000 years after creation, we have the flood. On the third day, God created all the seed-bearing plants. 3,000 years after creation, Abraham, God's seed, was, was, uh, was born, and through his seed, all nations will be blessed. The fourth year, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. 4,000 years, we had the prophets, the major monarch, the kings, and the prophets, studying times and seasons. 
On the fifth day, God created the seas, teeming with life. On the fifth day, 5,000 years, Christ came, bringing life into humanity. On the sixth day, God created man. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill, and subdue the earth. The last thousand years, what have we seen? The end of days. The last day. Six days. That's what, when we were worshiping, this just came to me. The thought came to me, six days. At the end of time, I believe God was speaking this. All of Mark, if you read Mark, all of Mark is pointing towards this chapter. But shortly, just a few weeks after, it's the cross and it's the resurrection. But he's pointing towards this. Like this is the final manifestation of why I am here. So six days later, he takes Peter, James, and John up into a high mountain. The rest of the disciples are down at the bottom of the mountain. And all the rest of the crowd is at the bottom of the mountain. And his disciples, Peter, James, and John, are not awake. They're getting sleepy. You can read all about it. They're getting sleepy because they've experienced everything that is to be experienced. They've seen people raised from the dead. They've seen the, the lame walk. They've seen eyes open. They heard the gospel of the kingdom being proclaimed and preached. They know it all, right? No, not right. So Peter is, I mean, uh, Jesus is transfigured before them. The glory of God comes. And he's transfigured, and all of a sudden they get wide awake. Wow. There's a whole lot more than we ever knew. They get wide awake, and immediately Peter speaks up and said, this is really awesome. We're having a glory of God experience right here on this mountain. Let's keep it right here. I don't really care about what's out there. We're having a good moment right here. Let's just capture it and stay settled in here and have this be our eternal experience. Just Jesus and three of us in a small room. Disciples are, the rest of the disciples and the crowds are having a real issue at the bottom of the mountain now. They're dealing with a demon-possessed boy, and they have no idea how to deal with it. But the three on the mountain, they weren't thinking anything about that. They were having a glory of God experience. And, you know, there's one thing we pray for here, and we believe it. And I know each one of us needs those moments where we're with our God, and there's a glorious. We, we pray for a glorious experience with God for each one of you here every Sunday morning. And we all need that. Many times Jesus withdrew to a lonely place just to spend time with his father. Because he needed to hear the father's voice. But much of the father's voice was giving Jesus his heart for the world. But we do need that glory of God experience. And we pray for that on a Sunday morning. But it's not to stay here, is it? So they were having this wonderful experience on the mountain, and they wanted to stay there, but Jesus knew that there was something else going on that the disciples needed to see and deal with. So they began to walk down off the mountain, and they came to this crowd of people, and, and uh, the father of this boy came up to him and said, your disciples couldn't drive this demon out. There's a real issue here. And Jesus said, oh, my word, how, much mu how long must I put up with this unbelieving generation? But who was he speaking to? He was speaking to the crowd that had been with him. 
He wasn't speaking to the lost. He was speaking to the crowd and to his disciples, the rest of the disciples that did not see his glory. And he said, bring the child to me. And see, this child represents. Satan doesn't care if we, in a sense, if we have our glorious mountaintop experiences, as long as culture never changes. Because Christ is not going to come back until the gospel of his kingdom is proclaimed to all nations. And two aspects of that is that all his enemies are made his footstool. And the other aspect is that his glory would fill the earth. Because here's the reality. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane cried, sweats of blood for you and I and for all who believe. The same glory you give me, I now give to them. You hear me? Jesus prayed that for all who would believe. The problem is belief. Jesus said, how long must I put up? And, of course, the, the, the father's son came to Jesus, and Jesus said, anything is possible to him believes. And the guy said, well, I believe somewhat, but there's a part of me that doesn't believe at all. And that's where a lot of us are caught up in, this aspect of we believe to a certain degree, but do we really believe to the degree that all things are possible? Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes. And Jesus also said, with God, all things are possible. So you know the story, if you, if you read about it in Mark chapter 9, Jesus drives out the evil spirit. And his disciples came to him later and said, why couldn't we drive out this spirit? And Jesus said, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. And the kind of prayer that Jesus was talking about was not, not God just, God, uh, help, help, help Todd know how many outs are in an inning so he doesn't send Bob home for the third out when it isn't the third out. <laughs> or help dear old Mary with her ingrown toenails so it doesn't hurt so bad. Or God, just help me make it through the day. That wasn't the kind of prayer. It is okay to pray for people his prayer was, God, come to the place where I am at. Let go of your life and all the worries and cares of it. Come to the place where I am. Jesus in the prayer in the garden, may they be with me where I am. It does not speak of some future event. It speaks of present reality. Come to my place. Come to where I am. There's no greater thing than the Father loves than in spending time with his children. He loves being there. And there's things that take place. See, in the natural, just, I'm speaking for myself, I am the perfect unbeliever. God may tell me something, and I may on the outside, yeah. But on the inside, I'm saying, no. I'm not doing that. I, by nature, I'm a very shy person. I don't like talking to people. It's not my nature. Maybe one-on-one. But really, I, by nature, am not a big, great talker. 
Ask my wife. She doesn't listen to talk to anyone around. <laughs> but when I spend time with my father, two things begin to happen. I begin to see life from his perspective. And the battles that I think that I need to fight, I see he's fighting for me. The things in my life, the issues, the cares, the worries of life, all these things will be given to you as well. He's fighting all these battles. I need not worry. The second thing is, he gives me his faith. My Heavenly Father believes every word that he has ever spoken. And when I abide in him, and I enjoy his presence, and he shares his heart, and I share my heart, that is prayer. His faith becomes my faith. What he believes, I begin to believe. The areas of doubt and unbelief begin to be removed, and in its place, I receive his faith. And then anything becomes possible. These things that we look at as impossible realities become things that become the footstool of Christ. Because Jesus rules and reigns. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth shall bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That reality comes through abiding in my Father and receiving his faith. When I begin to walk through my neighborhoods and I begin to pray, I pray it through the faith of my Heavenly Father revealed through his Son. Everything becomes his footstool. And this abundant life becomes filled that I need to give it away. And the glory of God is being flowing out to me into a world, a culture, a workplace, wherever he puts me, that is in desperate need of it. And I begin to see his glory grow in the community, in, in, in the neighborhood. And as God's people who are in this type of relationship with their Heavenly Father are putting a thousand to flight on their own, as we come together in corporate prayer, enjoying the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father, we see an increase and 10,000 are put to flight. And we begin to see his culture, being, his culture being what rules and reigns in our land. This kind comes out only through abiding in your Heavenly Father, passionately enjoying Him and all that he has already done. There's more things I could share here, but I just feel like the Lord is saying here this morning, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. And one of the things that God always deals with when he says it's time to let go is he deals with what I call a religious spirit. A religious spirit. We want to look good. 
and we want others to take pride in how good we look. Jesus laid down his life. It didn't look good for a while. But it makes us look good now, doesn't it? When we lay down our lives and everything is not so much in order, it may not look good for a season, but it sure does bring life to the people we minister to. Before a breakthrough, there needs to be a breakthrough in religion because it has to do with pride, holding on to the way we've always been, the way we always do things, but we lose control in the presence of our Father and certain things become more important. Jesus, when he came here on earth, he offended everybody by his disciples walking through grain fields and they didn't wash their hands right. He offended people because he healed on the Sabbath. It's the law. Here's another one for you. Elijah, when he was here on earth, who did he get fed by when he was in the desert? Birds, ravens, unclean. It was like getting fed by pigs. The reason God didn't use pigs is because Elijah would never got fed. It was unclean. But it's what comes out of a man that makes a person clean. If we're so caught up in the way we do things rather than the life within that we're giving away, we'll never give it away. Give away your life. It may be messy. It may not be in order. Some people might think you're stupid or weird, but give it away. Maybe as a church, God will call us to do some things that may not be so much in order, but give it away. Let's not to be so concerned about the order and the way things are done so much that we don't give away the abundant life we already have. So God always speaks of that. Live in freedom, not in bondage. Some people may like it. Some may, be, may not. Give away your abundant life that you enjoy through receiving it all from your heavenly Father. At the time of Christ... And this is where I close. Luke 10, verse 20. At the time of Christ, there was either... Jesus had just sent out the 72 disciples, and they came back to him. And they said, even the demons submit to your name. At the time of Christ, there was either 70 or 72 known nations at that time. And I believe these disciples represent the gospel going out into all nations so that the end will come. Something that will become a reality at some time. But Jesus said this, do not rejoice that demons submit to your name. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Today we rejoice that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the abundant life we have as a result of that we give away. And every knee shall bow. Everything shall become the footstool of Christ. And through us giving away what God has given us, his glory will fill the earth. That we rejoice that we are children of the King. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I rejoice this morning that I am, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the good life you have given me, may I freely give it away. And I proclaim this and believe this for everyone here. Yes, Lord Jesus, may we give it away for your honor and your glory. 
your enemies becoming your footstool and your glory filling the earth through your people being what they are called and chosen to be. I pray for this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed. Um, if you are in need of any prayer, there will be people here this morning to pray for you as well.